Hi everyone, I'm Deborah Khan, founder of Being Patient. Welcome to Brain Talks. Today we're gonna talk about why women tend to get Alzheimer's disease more so than men do. Previously, it had been thought that uh, women live longer, therefore they're more susceptible to Alzheimer's disease, but more research is going into why uh, the disease impacts one gender more than the other. Well, I'm happy to have joining us Dr. Marie Pasinski. She's from Harvard University and a neurologist at MassGen. She's the author of a book called Beautiful Brain, Beautiful You. Thanks so much for joining us, Marie. Thank you, Deborah. So let's just start with how you are looking at gender in terms of, you know, who's more susceptible to Alzheimer's and who's not. Mm -hmm. so, so as you mentioned, you know, for a long time, um, we, we knew that women have um, developed Alzheimer's more than more frequently than men do, but we attributed it to their, to our increased longevity. But what we now um, realize is that even when you when you exclude that, women are more likely to develop Alzheimer's two to three times more likely than men. And the other burden that women carry is that women are more likely to be the caregivers of patients with Alzheimer's. And so in, in many ways, women, this is a woman's disease. And um, you know, for, for too long we haven't focused on that. So I've been very interested in trying to figure out, you know, what what is it that makes women more susceptible? And while we while we don't know the answer to that, um, what we what, what I think is really important is that women have more risk factors than men do uh, for Alzheimer's. There are a number of what we call modifiable lifestyle risk factors. So these are things that we have control over. And for women, this is especially important because we have more of those risk factors. So we know that um, plaque appears in the brain, you know, decades before you may see a symptom of, of Alzheimer's disease. Um, what is your research looking at? What, when we talk about stress, um, what really impacts the brain and what do we know, what factors can we really change to minimize our risk um, of, uh, uh, of getting Alzheimer's later on? So, so when we think about um, Alzheimer's, most of us just think about the diagnosis of Alzheimer's, but th that's just one type of dementia. So um, dementia is the umbrella term. Alzheimer's is clinically the most common diagnosis for dementia. But in fact, there are many, many factors that contribute to how our brain functions. And the most common pathologic diagnosis for for dementia is not Alzheimer's. It's actually what we call a mixed dementia. So when we look under the microscope, we're seeing more than just Alzheimer's disease. So someone may have some Alzheimer's disease, they may have some underlying vascular disease. And then there are many, many other factors that could be playing a role if someone drank a little too much alcohol, you know, that can impair cognitive function. So all these things, Kind of come together to impair cognitive function and so it becomes really important for us to be aware of what these risk factors are and and know that we can take steps to decrease our personal risk of alzheimer's 
We have a question that's coming in. Um, I think a lot of women, you know, I, I know when we're pregnant, I've had three kids. When we're pregnant, we tend to think, oh, my memory is getting worse. Um, as we get older and women face menopause, there's hormonal um, changes. So how much do we know hormones may factor into um, making us more susceptible to disease or does more really have to be studied about that? There's a lot that needs to be studied. Um, we, we don't really know how hormonal changes um, really affect the brain. But what we do know is that hormones affect, affect women in, in lots of ways. For example, it interferes with sleep. And we know that sleep is one of these modifiable risk factors. So, you know, often when women are young, if they have discomfort with their periods, they may not sleep as well. Um, certainly during pregnancy, um, it can be hard to get a good night's sleep. And then when we have children, um, you know, breastfeeding, that any woman who's breastfeeding is sleep deprived. <laughs> and, you know, and, and, you know, what, what we realize is this really continues throughout a woman's life. So raising children um, decreases our, our sleep. We know that, that women who have children are more likely to be sleep deprived um, than men. And then as women, you know, once the kids are, are raised, then often we're caregivers and taking care of um, parents or ailing fam family members. And so again, that, that takes a toll. And we, we really, it's so difficult to kind of quantify that, that effect. But we do know that also that um, women are more likely to suffer from insomnia than men are. Do, do, so is your research then fo focusing on um, what are the points that really could factor into more stress and more like, I mean, we know if, you, if you're not getting your eight hours, eight, eight to nine hours a night, that's bad for your brain. Um, you know, that, that's been um, studied in, in, in quite a number of times. So is it is it trying to really kind of connect the dots between what about what's the difference between our lifestyles men and women that actually make us more susceptible rather than uh you know maybe something within our genes yeah we, we don't we don't really understand that but what we one thing that i think is very interesting is that um so gene, genes are important we we know that plays a role but there's this whole new area called um, epigenetics, which helps us understand how the lifestyle choices we make actually affect gene activity. So the lifestyle choices we make can turn genes on or turn them off. And so, so again, um, this gives us reason to you know, really think about these modifiable lifestyle risk factors for Alzheimer's that that we have the power to change. So, uh, so do you? Um, one of our viewers is saying um, uh, that being a parent and worrying is is a long term. You know, I, I think it, my mother in law once said to me, you know, you never stop worrying; just one worry replaces another. So, <laughs> is it is that a um, could that be really putting us at more risk? The fact that we we maybe worry more about things than men do. Well, we we know that worrying is not it's not productive. It's it's not good for our brain. 
Um, it's very hard to measure the, the effect of, of stress on the brain. Um, first of all, stress is, is impossible to really quantify. Uh, what's what, what's stressful for one person is not necessarily stressful for another. And, and even within an individual, you know, at one point in your life, something may be very stressful and then maybe the next day it isn't. So there, there are many, many factors and it, it really is more um, about how we manage stress and how it affects us. Um, the best way to really quantify stress is, is by self-reporting. So if someone feels like they're under a lot of stress, that's the best indicator that they are. And it's, it's important to, to recognize that and, and for women to get support. Um, I, I just think, I think that's huge. I think women are shouldering, you know, so much uh, responsibility. We're, we're juggling our careers, we're juggling our families, we're the caretakers. And I think we need to take care of ourselves. Do you, um, I, we have a question coming in um, asking that, uh, you know, we know, we all know that exercise is good for us, right? We, we've been told that over and over again, if you can choose one thing, choose exercise. Um, did you factor any of that into, I mean, is it, is it, does exercise negate maybe some of the extra layers of things that make women more susceptible to this disease? Um, is there a way to figure out, is it, is it putting a puzzle together? It's, is it a equilibrium, so to speak? Um, so what do we have control over, in other words, um, at this point in time to know that we're really helping our brains um, and maintaining brain health? Okay, so, so exercise is one of the very best things we can do for our brain, staying physically active. Um, looking at, at the, the risk factors overall, um, the best study was by Barnes uh, that what they, what they tried to do is estimate the, the risk of, the, the, the individual risk of seven modifiable lifestyle um, risk factors. And what they found they, they came up with seven, and these were, let's see if I can remember these, uh, low educational attainment um, or lack of cognitive stimulation, physical inactivity, depression, uh, midlife obesity, hypertension, diabetes, and smoking. And from, from that study, and, and again, that didn't include all of the other risk factors, there are other risk factors like sleep and as we talked about stress and so forth. But um, in that study, what, what they found is that the number one risk factor in the, in the United States was physical inactivity. So, so this is huge. And you know, traditionally, when you think about it, women have not been as physically active as men. You know, I think about my, my mother who had Alzheimer's disease and you know her generation, they didn't do any type of physical activity or exercise. And, and even when, when I was growing up, there weren't, you know, that was before Title IX, there weren't the sports teams for women. Um, you know, in general, women just are not as physically active. And there, there are actually studies showing that, that um, you know, through, throughout life, 
women are less physically active than men. And, and part of that may be due to, you know, child rearing, other responsibilities. Again, we're, we're juggling a lot of things. Is there a way, though, to determine um, how much um, of that factors in? So, for example, now women have been exercising. I mean, wait, when did Jane Fonda come into, um, our, you know, is it the 80s or so where the whole aerobics revolution um, came on? So is there a way to measure? Do we have enough data to say actually, you know, exercise is helping us to to maintain our brain health and um secondly a lot of what we talk about like exercise is good for men or women right and so uh -huh. where, where's the differentiation in that in terms of maintaining our our brain health so it, so it's really impossible when you think of all these factors that contribute to our cognitive function to kind of tease out um, you know, how much does, does this contribute? And again, it's going to vary with, you know, any individual. But again, in, in the U.S., um, physical inactivity is considered to be the number one risk factor. And I think um, for a woman who's trying to juggle a lot of things that, you know, it's hard to find, find the time. And so one of the things I recommend is avoiding prolonged sitting. You know, we, um, we know that with prolonged sitting, our, our cortisol level rises, our blood sugar level rises, and, and, and that's not good for, you, for your brain. And just getting up for a short period of time, um, you know, walking around for a couple minutes and then sitting back down, um, you know, is, is, is a better way to, to set up your day. And I, I know with myself, I used to sit in front of my computer for hours on end. And then when I became aware of these studies, but what I do now is I actually set a timer for 30 minutes. So I'll, I'll work for 30 minutes and I get up and, and, and do something. And so I think there, what we need to do, you know, especially when we're under stress or our schedules are very full, we need to weave more physical activity into our days. And um, we have a, a, a viewer who was asking um, if you would, I mean, should women be, should we be measuring our hormone levels and then when they start to drop, should we take hormone replacement therapy? Um, I know a lot of research needs to be done, um, but is it, is it, you know, is this something that we should consider con knowing that hormones could impact our brains? Mm -hmm. So um, at, at this point, there's really, no role for hormonal replacement in terms of dementia prevention. Uh, the initial study that came out, um, the Women's Health Initiative back in I think it was 2003, showed that hormones are not good for us. But there were a lot of problems with that study. Um, the women studied were, were older and um, they, they didn't start the, the hormonal replacement until like 10 years after menopause or more. I think it's even more. So since that time, we've been wondering, you know, is there a window maybe where hormone replacement may be helpful? And there, the studies so far have been inconclusive on that. Um, if you start it within, you know, a very narrow window of menopause and, and use it for a short time. Um, so there, there, there's a lot of research going on in this area for a woman who's having trouble 
with you know hot flashes, menopausal symptoms, and it's interfering with sleep. Maybe that's something that should be considered, but it, it this decision has to be made on a very individual basis, you know, with with your physician. So, Marie, tell me what what do you recommend? Since we know that you know um, one gender females are more um, at risk of Alzheimer's, what do you recommend we do? I mean, you know, someone, you, you mentioned you had um, a mom who has Alzheimer's, as, as do I. We worry, once, once you've been impacted by this disease, you naturally worry about your own brain health. So what is one to do when we're healthy? Um, how do we assess our risk and what should we be aware of? So I, th I think one of the most important things is staying on top of your physical health. Um, as I talked about that one study that looked at seven modifiable risk factors, a number of those are medical issues, um, midlife obesity, hypertension, diabetes, smoking, depression, and insomnia. So it's really important for women to take care of themselves, be proactive. You know, if you have any of those underlying conditions, make sure you're getting the best treatment you can get and get all those medical problems under control. And that will significantly decrease your risk of, um, of Alzheimer's. And I think the other thing is for, for women to get support. Um, I know with, with my mom, um, I, I helped take care of her and it was exhausting. You know, caring, caring for my mom with Alzheimer's was physically, uh, mentally, emotionally exhausting. And yet I had every resource one could ask for. I had, um, you know, the, the knowledge base. I had the financial resources. I have a wonderful supportive family. My, my kids were raised. Um, I didn't have to worry about losing my job when I took time off. And, you know, my heart just goes out for a lot of my patients' um, families. So I, I'm the neurologist for the, the Mass General Health Centers, and we, we care for um, patients of kind of a low socioeconomic class, a lot of immigrant patients. And I have a lot of single moms who are, you know, they have young children of their own, and they're caring for a family member, a parent with Alzheimer's. And I can't even wrap my head around how they even get out of bed in the morning, you know, the, the stress level. And I, I think we really need to provide more support for, for caregivers and, and, and more support for women. One of the things we didn't talk about, one of the risk factors is um, low educational attainment and um, stimulating, staying um, cognitively stimulated. And that's worldwide, that's considered the number one risk factor for Alzheimer's. And Is uh, low education? Or? Low educational attainment and lack of co cognitive stimulation. And, you know, when, when you think about women in the U.S., traditionally, you know, women, women don't have the level of education that, that, that men do. Um, even if we do, we often will kind of give up the give up you know we, we don't aspire to the you know more mentally challenging jobs because we're raising children or we have other responsibilities and you know again i can't help but think about my mother's generation and those are a lot of the patients we're seeing 
um, now with, with Alzheimer's. And so hopefully now that women are becoming better educated, that, that will be, you know, help, help lower their risk um, over time. Well, it's interesting too, because, you know, two things that you've mentioned, the two most important are, are the education and the exercise, right? And in, in the last 20, 30 years or so, that's, vastly changed from you know when your mother or even i mean my mom always worked but um you know there were she was she was one of few um so it would be it's going to be interesting to see um how much the landscape changes given um um you know these these points but i have a question for you um is enough research going into studying women in relation to Alzheimer's disease? Uh, we're working on it. <laughs> As I said, um, it, it really is a woman's disease um, that women are more affected and, and we're the caretakers. And you know previously a lot of a lot of studies in, in animals are done on, on on male animals rather than females so they don't have to deal with the astrocycle and the hormonal changes, and you know, as we've talked about, we don't we don't know how important those factors are, but thankfully, um, you know, we're recognizing that now. There there is a greater initiative to to do more women's research, and especially for Alzheimer's. So, so what would you what would you say is the most urgent um, in terms of women and our health? What, what's the most urgent area to study um, in relation to to brain health or or, or Alzheimer's? Well, I think I mean, hopefully we'll be coming up with some some good treatments or cures. But you know, until we do, we really have to focus on these modifiable lifestyle risk factors. And and, and one of the things I want to emphasize is that it's never too late to make changes and, and improve your brain. You know, our brain has this incredible ability to make new neurons and new connections throughout our lives. And a lot of that depends on how we, you know, we stimulate that brain and the type of environment we provide for our brain. So, you know, staying mentally active is, is so important. And it doesn't mean you have to, you know, go to school, get a degree, um, just challenge yourself. You know, step out of your your comfort zone intellectually. So, and we have a viewer who just wrote in: um, when all of these situational variables are controlled for, is Alzheimer's uh, really still a woman's disease? Um, yes, just because we're we're more affected, and again, um, we don't we don't really know. Um, how much this will affect, how much it, what the impact could be if, you know, every risk factor was decreased. Again, we, we didn't talk about, you know, other, other uh, risk factors. For example, we know that social isolation is a risk factor for, for Alzheimer's, for, for cognitive decline. And, um, you know, fortunately that, that tends to be women's strong suit. You know, we're, we, women have, tend to have richer, social networks uh, than, than men do. We tend to share things, be supportive, and, and that's really important. And, and this, again, is another thing that's so difficult to quantify. So, um, Marie, tell me a little bit. You have, um, first, um, 
your book, uh, Beautiful Brain, Beautiful You, um, that that really dealt with brain health, right? What you can do. Um, tell us a little bit about, but what you address in um, in that book. So it's it's a seven step guide to what you can do to to keep your brain healthy and vibrant. And and one of the messages of of that book is, um, I think I think as women we're often, you know, so. We, we think a lot about external appearance and that, um, but what I think what a lot of us don't realize is that beauty really comes from within and it actually comes from your brain. You know, think about when you're, when you feel kind of mentally cloudy or you haven't slept, slept well, no matter how great your makeup is or your hair, you're just not gonna have that sparkle in your eye because that sparkle in your eye actually comes from a healthy, vibrant brain and so that that's the the message of the book to kind of do everything we can to to keep our brain healthy and and you you're in i think you're writing another book is that right what's what's your latest book on is it yeah. taking yeah. further so it's called outsmart stress and it's a, it's a guide for women and men too but um you know looking at what we can do to to use our brain to outsmart stress. Okay, give us give us the top three tips of how we be stress. I, I certainly need them. <laughs> um, but one of the things we 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 talked about is you know sharing sharing our feelings um, with others. Never worry alone. That's uh, some of the advice I, I give. There are, there are a whole bunch of steps, and um, I'm not sure when it's coming out. It depends on how much stress. I'm under over the next <laughs> few months. But I hope to have it out by the beginning of the year. Great. Well, we look forward to it. And thank you so much for your research. Um, thank you for focusing on gender. It's obviously an area that needs a lot more attention, why women um, are more susceptible to Alzheimer's. And, you know, it's not a, it's really not only Alzheimer's disease. There's a, there's a lot of um, conditions women tend to uh, be more susceptible to, yet research is not at a point where it's it's just looking through the gender lens. Um, so we're very appreciative of uh, people like yourself who are really putting the lens on this and, and trying to understand what differentiates us uh, in order for us to protect our brain health. Um, so please keep us updated on your studies. Um, I'm sure um, our community would be very interested in future. Thank you. Thanks so much, Deborah. I really enjoyed this. Thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure.